In a September 21st, 1994 review of new hour-long dramas and television that season, the New York Times' John J. O'Connor wrote, quote, One of the best can be found, surprise, surprise, on Fox. Thursdays at 9 p.m. New York on the cover is created by Dick Wolf, who shares the title of executive producer with Andre Harrell, the head of Uptown Entertainment, a minority entertainment organization. Mr. Wolf also created NBC's Law and & Order, and this new series runs in loose hip-hop counterpoint to that show's airtight formula. Anchored in an Upper West Side police precinct, New York Undercover focuses on two young detective partners. Both grew up on the city's streets and can match their hustling skills confidently against those of any perp. J.C. Williams, Malik Gilba, is black, devoted to his new upscale woman friend and his young son by another woman. Eddie Torres, Michael DeLorenzo, is Puerto Rican, unattached and high-strung. Still trying to work things out with his family, especially his jazz musician father, who has just gotten out of rehab again. Wandering around the city, the two detectives slip-slide against each other easily, goofing through routines that often leave older colleagues mystified. He can track down a respected community leader who uses youngsters to steal cars, or exonerate a young male student who's just been hit with a phony rape charge. The packaging is slick, wrapped in a music track that ranges adroitly from rap to jazz. Gladys Knight has a small recurring role. The beat and the look are unmistakably urban, taking clear aim at Fox's demographics. The strength of this show is in the characters of Williams and Torres. Mr. Yoba and Mr. DeLorenzo have wasted no time getting perfectly on target. End quote. This is a review that is kind of both positive and a bit condescending at the same time. You gotta love that. Hi everyone, I'm Chris Rose and welcome to New York Undercover Rewind, the podcast that discusses all things related to the television series New York Undercover. As always, thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe, like, rate, and review us. And feel free to send me an email with your thoughts on the podcast to NewYorkUndercoverRewind at gmail.com. Episode 4 of Season 1 is entitled To Protect and Serve and premiered on Thursday, September 29, 1994. The episode description reads, The detectives look for clues in the Collegian's murder. Chantal is involved with the musician in Nancy Wilson's band. The episode is directed by Frederick Keller and written by Charles Holland. The cold open is set to the sounds of rapper Craig Mack's Flava in Ya Ear. The song was released by Bad Boy Records in 1994 in Mack's debut album, Project Funk the World, which was released only one week after the Notorious B.I.G.'s Ready to Die album. Flava and Yeah received a Grammy nomination for Best Rap Solo at the 1995 Grammys, and it was also remixed, with the new version featuring Biggie, LL Cool J, and Busta Rhymes, among others. Despite releasing two additional albums on other labels in 97 and 2017, respectively, Mac would not find the same success again. Now, back to the show. The Cold Open features a montage of a white male college student on campus studying talking on a huge cell phone, which, as many remember at that time, was a big deal to have a cell phone back in 1994. He's walking through campus and taking more phone calls on the phone. Later in the day, he heads to a packed nightclub with everyone dancing and is greeted by his black girlfriend who greets him with a smooch. 
college student is then shoved by a muscular black guy in a bandana. Played by Chad Coleman, who would later star as Cuddy on The Wire, and he also later starred on The Walk. The next morning finds a white guy grinning from ear to ear as he enters Morningside Park, only to be shot dead as he makes it halfway down the stairs into the park. We see the image of the assailant, or is it a witness, running away from the scene. Cut to black. Act 1 opens in the station house and finds J.C. heated as he reads a letter from Chantal's lawyer, indicating that she's asking for an additional $250 per month in child support for G. J.C. tells Eddie he will fight it. Lieutenant Cooper tells them to report to the scene of the murder, where medical examiner Wall tells them the body's fresh, meaning it's only been dead for three to four hours. J.C. sees the victim's wallet, and he is identified as Scott Clancy. Clancy's mother arrives in the scene and wails over her son's body. Next scene is at Natalie's, where jazz and R.B. great Nancy Wilson is performing Love Won't Let Me Wait. J.C. and Sandy are at a table in the club, and J.C. is a bit sad after earlier seeing the look on the face of the mom of the murder victim. Sandy notices Chantel walk into the club and hug and kiss a member of Nancy Wilson's band. Uh-oh. J.C.'s jealous. Chantel introduces them to her friend Trey, played by Gary Dordan of A Different World and CSI fame. J.C. also learns that Trey has been spending time with their son G., and took him to a Knicks practice as well. Uh-oh. JC is even more jealous. JC tells Eddie that he's not worried about Trey, and that it'll be cool for G to be exposed to different things. But he can probably tell that JC's a little jealous. The detectives arrive at the apartment of Clancy's resident advisor, Claude Dusable, a Haitian grad student. Dusable is played by Jean-Claude Lamar, who, in addition to a number of acting credits, is also a prolific producer-director whose credits include Color of the Cross and Gang of Roses, among others. They interviewed DeSable to find out who Clancy may have been hanging out with, and they discover a gun in Clancy's desk and cocaine in his fridge. J.C. tells DeSable he wants a list of everyone who has come in and out of his room. And here's a fun fact. Though the college is never named in the episode, this episode is filmed and set at Columbia University in New York City. The following scene finds detectives interviewing Scott's best friend, Larry, played by Dallas Roberts. Larry tells him about the black guy that Scott got into an argument with at the club and mentions the guy kept saying, four years, four years. The detectives then interview his girlfriend, Suki, played by Lisa Gay Hamilton from Davey Kelly's The Practice. Detectives learn that Clancy had a record for drugs when he was younger. It was popped six times by a cop named Carlos Ortiz. Ortiz is played by veteran stage and screen actor Paul Calderon. Here are a few fun facts about Calderon. This would be the first of three appearances he makes in the series. He would appear as a different character later in season one and yet a different character in season three. He and De Lorenzo also share a Michael Jackson connection. Calderon appeared in Michael Jackson's Bad video back in 1990. If you watch the extended version, he is the drug dealer with the cane about five minutes into the video. Ed Lorenzo appeared in MJ's Thriller and Beat It music videos in the early 1980s. Ortiz tells the detectives that Clancy was a rat bastard son of a bitch. And they should look into a guy named Woody Shoup, 
i.e. the black dude from the club, who served four years in prison because of Clancy. While waiting for Shoop to show up, Eddie tells JC that he got the scoop from the bartender at Natalie that Chantel and Trey have been knocking the boots for a while, which just pisses JC off even more. Eddie rubs it in by singing the lyrics to Achilles, I don't see nothing wrong with a little bump and grind. JC and Eddie see Shoop exit a garage and he begins to run, but they catch and detain and find the 9mm gun on him, the same type of weapon that was used to kill Clancy. Shoop, there it is. Fade to black. Act 2 begins with Shoop proclaiming his innocence and says he is simply an auto mechanic and that yes, he ran into Clancy at the club, but that when he left him, he was alive. Detectives ask Shoop why he went to the club in the first place, and he responds, Same reason you go to the club. Due to nasty. J.C. and Williams talk to the veteran detective Old School, who used to work with Ortiz at the 4th Precinct, and he tells them both about Ortiz's toughness. Williams asks Old School if Ortiz is a good hard-ass or a bad one. Old School tells them he is an intensely good cop. The next scene is with G and JC and G refusing to take lunch money from JC since he has his own money. $50, whoa! JC asks where he got the money from and G says Trey took him and Chantal to Aqueduct Racetrack. And he won the money. This upsets JC who in the next scene calls up Chantal on the phone and argues with him. But before they can continue, Eddie tells them they have a list of all the students who entered Clancy's room. They learned that Suki's roommate, Letitia, had a heroin overdose and had been in a coma since then. And Letitia's legal guardian and uncle is, ding, 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 Carlos Ortiz. Similar to the School Ties episode, Williams and Torres have differing opinions about the evidence and suspects. Torres believes Ortiz is clean because he thinks he is a good cop and a role model for other Puerto Rican cops. While Williams disagrees and thinks Ortiz has probable cause and should be questioned. They bring Ortiz in for questioning and he vehemently denies murder accusations. He slams his gun on the table, tells him to check the ballistics on the gun, and he ends by saying they should be ashamed of themselves. Fate to Black. Before we continue with the recap, it's time for a trivia question. Actor Gary Dordan, who guest stars as Trey in this episode, recurred on what sitcom as a character named Shaza Zulu? The answer coming at you at the end of this episode. Act 3 opens with Trey's character at the station house to talk to JC. JC tells him how he raises his son is between him and Chantel. Trey apologizes and says he's not trying to disrespect JC and all he wanted was for G and Chantel to have a good time. JC says, like I said, man, I ain't got no problem with you. Trey adds that Chantal didn't know they were going gambling and broke it down for G and says, man, she's something. And all JC can say is, yeah, whatever. So what's going on here? Is JC pissed that Chantel has a boyfriend or that the boyfriend is in G's life? Or maybe a little bit of both. The NYPD and the detectives canvass the park looking for the murder weapon. They find the gun, but there are no prints on the weapon, and Williams and Torres continue to argue about whether Ortiz is innocent. 
The next scene finds JC and Sandy laying in bed and Sandy looking to get a little bit frisky, but JC's mind is elsewhere and he resists Sandy's kisses. Sandy pinpoints that his issue is Chantel's boyfriend and that either his ego or fear is getting in the way of him. He admits that his problem is that there is another man spending more time with his son than he is. She tells him he needs to spend more time with Jean face his feelings. Now, back to the case. After talking to Scott's best friend Larry and an off-campus drug dealer, the detectives learned that Clancy had a dissatisfied customer, Cole Miller, who's also a cop killer. Looks like Ortiz is not guilty, and Cole Miller is now the main suspect. The next scene is set to the sounds of Souls of Mischief, 93 till infinity, as Torres and Williams, armed in bulletproof jackets, along with other NYPD officers, burst into Miller's apartment, but find him dead of a gunshot wound to the head with a pillow covering his face. Fade to black. Now a little bit about 93 Till Infinity. Uh, It was released in 1993 by Jive Records as one of the singles on Souls of Mischief's debut album of the same name. 2023, it was ranked as number 5 on Rolling Stone's 100 Greatest West Coast Hip Hop Songs of All Time. Act 4 opens with the detectives learning that Suki was getting heroin from Cole and that Clancy shot Cole in order to prevent Suki from becoming a junkie. They also learned that Letitia overdosed from Suki's supply. JC tells Suki she will need a lawyer and that they will have to arrest her. The following scene features JC and Chantal meeting for coffee and JC apologizing and tells her she has always done the right thing by G. He tells her he is happy she found someone she likes and offers to watch G if he ever needs it. He tells him she won't be needing it because Trey is relocating to Los Angeles. But before Chantel can finish, JC jumps to conclusions and assumes that she will be moving with G to be with Trey. Another example of JC being hard-headed. Chantel says she turned down Trey's offer because she wasn't sure she'd come back. She reminds him that she didn't do it for him. Back to the case. Forensics show that Clancy couldn't have been killed by Miller since Miller died a week ago. They learned that the RA, Dusabel, the Haitian guy, saw Scott at the nightclub and witnessed the murder and knew he was hiding something. They visit him in his apartment, but not before he decides to jump out a window onto the pavement below, breaking his William says, You under arrest, stupid. Don't move. Back at the precinct, DuSable says he saw the murder on his way home. He says it was Letitia's uncle who committed the murder. The detectives visit Ortiz at his home and tell him they have a witness. It's over. He finally admits to killing Clancy and apologizes. They tell him he killed the wrong dealer and that Letitia actually got the smack from her roommate, not Clancy. Ortiz thinks and asks to go to the bathroom before they arrest him. While they wait, they hear a gunshot. Ortiz has died by suicide. The detectives look shocked as we fade to black. End of episode. I give this episode an A-. The crime of the week was pretty solid with lots of twists and turns and a few possible suspects throughout the episode. In the closing moments when Ortiz killed himself, that was also a shock for anyone who may have watched it for the first time. 
Uh, and, you know, it was also good to see a, a number of familiar faces in the episode, like Lisa Gay Hamilton and Chad Coleman and Dallas Roberts, all of whom were at the beginning of their careers. And of course, the legendary singer, Nancy Wilson. It was great to see her as well. Now, one plot point that was never mentioned again in the episode was Chantel requesting $250 more per month in child support for G through her lawyer. You know, she and JC have a pretty decent relationship, so it seemed kind of odd that she would need to communicate it through her lawyer and not just speak about it with JC face-to-face like they usually speak about any other issue. Seems like it was just a plot point to set up JC being mad at her when he met her new boyfriend later in the episode. Now, before we go, let's go back to the trivia question. Actor Gary Dordan, who guest stars as Trey in this episode, recurred on what sitcom as a character named Shaza Zulu? The answer is A Different World. The Cosby Show spinoff ran for six seasons on NBC from 1987 through 1993, and Dordan recurred in 15 episodes across seasons four, five, and six. Also interesting to note that Dordan's guest spot in New York Undercover was not his last appearance in the Dick Wolf universe. He would star as a cop alongside the late James McCaffrey in a short-lived UPN show called Swift Justice. And if you watch the series, especially the pilot and further episodes, you'll notice that they actually use the New York Undercover sets on the show. Episode description section of this podcast, and I have included a link to that episode. You can see it for yourself. And, of course, Dordan would later go on to star in CBS hit series CSI. Folks, that's our time for this episode. I'm Chris Rose. Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe, like, rate, and review us. And send me an email with your thoughts to New York Undercover Rewind at gmail.com. Bye now. <laughs>